Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Brown works it, bounces back to Tice. He'll take a three with Donovan on him, misses badly, flies in for his own rebound. Rudy rejected him, and he popped it up high in the air, and it comes down to Conley. Jazz on the run. Donovan left side. Bogdanovich right-hand drive. Kicks back up top to Ingles. Rotates to Conley. Conley back out to Joe. Come on, baby. Bury the three. Oh, what a possession. The Jazz by six. Rudy Gobert blocks it on one side, and the Jazz are electric with the ball moving. Movement on the other. Brown cut off by Gobert. Drives to the basket, pump fakes three times, gets the shot swatted. Why do they try? Rudy running, Rudy dunking, Rudy dominating. Timeout, Brad Stevens. 87-81, 10-to run by the Jazz. They're up by six, and Rudy Gobert is absolutely marvelous. Ingles will come to the front court. Joe's got himself 14 points tonight. He goes in and out with a right, left-hand dribble. Brown all over him, so he retreats back out. Working the left side with a six-point lead to Clarkson. Driving on Williams, bouncing to Rudy. Rudy dunking on Tice, and the foul. Hoya, wee wee. The funny thing is that I, I don't really chase blocks. You know, some games I might get seven blocks, six blocks, but that doesn't mean I necessarily play better defense. Some games I get zero blocks, and I play great defense because guys are not even getting shots up around me. So just gonna keep being active, keep making sure I make the right decisions. You know, if guys are gonna keep challenging me, I'm gonna be there to block the shots. All right, uh, <laughs> the Rudy. Uh, Rudy Gobert's comments right there. Calls from David Locke. Uh, let me tell you something before we dive into the game, Gordon. It's a different situation this year with Locke not on the road uh, with the team. He's uh, So what he does, some nights he's up in the studio with us, but most nights he's in the empty arena on the platform where he usually broadcasts, watching the game on the big uh, the the big monitors there in the in the middle of the arena. And uh, I usually watch the game. Tim and I just hunker down in the studio and uh, and watch the game uh, on ra- on road games. And you heard David how worked up David got. We could hear David, not through the 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 board or the speakers or whatever, but we heard David in the studio through a closed door. If that just gives you any idea of, of how <laughs> into it David what was <laughs> last yeah, night, yeah, he sounded uh, he sounded pretty animated there. So that was that was really something. But anyway, uh, great call by David. Uh, one seventeen to one hundred nine. Jazz beat the Celtics. I thought it was a big win. Um, I thought they did a number of different things uh, much better. Um, specifically, Gordon, and here's where I'll, I'll, uh, I will start. They got back to playing the style of basketball that was so successful in the first half of the season on offense you know we can get into it and talk about ball movement and and getting open shots which they absolutely did but defensively um the bite was back it was a much better defensive performance than we've seen yes uh i had you know it's funny because you and i have not talked about our impressions of the game and i had the same i had the same thought that this looks more like what you would expect from the Jazz. Although there were some weird twists in this game. The first one the first one is a real positive for the Jazz, in my opinion. That exchange between Brown and uh and Donovan when when he when Brown got fouled on that play, remember and he patted uh he patted Donovan on the butt and, and Donovan kinda swung his arm at him a little bit. I, I thought that's a moment because, because Donovan has, 
I think somewhat made a name for himself trying to reach out to other NBA players, especially the guys that are sort of at his level. But I, I, I thought that competitive fire in him was was a real good thing. What do you think of that? Am I making too much out of it? Yeah, I didn't make much out of it. Um, I, I can see what you're getting out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I just thought that I, I liked that moment uh, that he was fired up and uh, sort of hunkered down competitively. The other thing is, what, what's weird in this game is the Jazz had more turnovers, and the first half was a real problem with that, even though it didn't cost them It was the terribly. first quarter. They had yeah. like six turnovers in like the first four minutes or something. Yeah. The turnovers, but the, the Celtics get a, league and, a lead, and the Jazz fight back and, and uh, are right there with them at halftime and then move on from there. That that uh, stood out to me. The Jazz had fewer assists. Uh, they had more turnovers, fewer assists, and fewer rebounds. And they shot a worse percentage overall from the floor. So how did the Jazz win this game? Uh, well, there were multiple ways, but a couple of them were they shot. They hit nine more three-pointers than the Celtics did. That's huge. And they, uh, they, they made all kinds of... Uh, Hey, at the free throw line. And the Celtics, how many attempts did the Celtics have in Four. that game total? I mean, that that's a 20-point difference right there. I so mean, let, let me pose a legitimate question to you, and I really I, I'm not being smart-alecky in any way, shape, or form. So the Jazz took 24 free throws, made 22 of them. And by the way, I think about you every time Rudy makes a cr- uh, clutch free throw. Uh, the Celtics... Uh, attempted four free throws. Now, Gordon, how many fouls did the Jazz commit? Uh, 18, I believe. How many fouls did the Celtics commit? 18. How is that possible? I don't know. (laughs) And I watched the game, and I still don't know. How is that possible that they'd have the same amount of fouls, but uh, the free throw disparity would be 24 to 4? I mean, I didn't hear Brad Stevens' postgame comments, but, you know, coaches often like to bring that up as a way to complain about the officials. How could mm-hmm. you even do it? They call the same amount of fouls on each team. I don't timing, even know how that's timing possible. Is, timing is everything. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, literally every foul on the Celtics would have had to bit on the shot, and every <laughs> foul on the Jazz would have had to bit on the floor. I hear you. I hear you. If 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 we, I wonder what Celtics fans are thinking today. Well, I read. Uh, I often do. There's a there's a Twitter account out there that uh, that compiles the best comments from the Jazz opponents Reddit threads. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a, it's a must read after every game for me because often it is it is just hilarious. But a lot of the sentiment on that last night was uh, being grumpy about the the refs. And so, of course, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a topic after the game or whatever. And then as, uh, as Tim and I are getting ready to go on the air, I'm like, how they both had 18 fouls. How how is that even possible? <laughs> Just what you said earlier, they were they were uh, fouling on the shot. And but still, if it's 18, 18, if it's the same number, you would think that 
penalty-wise or something, the, the Celtics would be able to balance that out a little bit, but it didn't work out that way. And the Jazz do a lot of that year-old foul stuff, and so they pick up a lot of fouls on the floor, and they try not to, to foul while playing defense. And so, you know, the, there, of course, is an explanation. I just don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Been reading box scores for a long time, Gordo. I don't know how many times I've seen anything like that. Yeah. Twenty-four yeah. to four. That's the discrepancy in free throws. Twenty-four to four, and they committed the same amount of fouls. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that is crazy. But I think that that and the fact that the Jazz hit nine uh, more three pointers uh, was was the difference in the game because statistically at least, and what you, it sounds like what you do, Jake, is similar to what I do. You watch the game, you take some notes, and then you go back and check the stats, right? And so uh, sometimes uh, the, the stats surprise you a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, the Jazz uh, trailed in a whole lot of categories, but not those two. All right, we'll get to uh, the big University of Utah news of the day coming up next. I just made it clear in the locker room. Would love to have everybody back coaching this group again. We can lace it all up. Everybody can come back. Got a couple additions to the roster. You know, I remain optimistic. Guys can work on their basketball game, but we can come back as a brotherhood and hopefully play in front of fans. I have no questions in my mind, contrary to a lot of the noise, that this is a program that is on the rise. We've got uh, a number of young players that are playing games. We got guys that want to get in the weight room. Got a lot of high character people so i have no reason to to believe otherwise gordon i know you have a column about this up at uh, sltrib.com news coming out really right after our show yesterday about uh larry kraskoviak and the university of utah are going to be parting ways uh there was some conflicting conflicting reports on that by the way did we ever uh, austin uh, i don't know if you've seen anything did we ever get to the bottom of whether or not he was fired or resigned uh that's the last oh he was fired. Well, that's what uh, Utah said, but uh, your guy Newman, didn't he report that uh, Larry had said he uh, stepped down? Well, yeah. I, I mean, there, like I said, there was – okay, so who do you want to believe? I, I guess, well, I don't know. That's why I brought it up. There was some controversy I, over it. Anyway, he's not working uh, there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Your your thoughts, Gordon? We, we talked about this uh, and uh, the possibility of it happening the other day. Uh, what are your thoughts on – on now that it's over yeah i i had written the column i don't know if you remember it jake uh when was that a couple months ago a month or a month or two ago about larry's situation at utah and how it was reaching a critical point uh that for what he was being paid he was not delivering what uh, the expectation was but not only that but uh, people even before the pandemic people weren't really showing up for the for the games, and uh, I know that the attendance figures were, as usual, uh, inflated and whatnot. But uh, that 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 building over there was pretty empty, and uh, it was coming to a point where it uh, it was diminishing returns, really. And so it didn't surprise me at all. I had heard a few weeks ago that that uh, there were they were there was uh, a move to have. Uh, to have some sort of departure uh, with Larry, but uh, it uh, it all came down yesterday. And <laughs> okay, so the university says they terminated Larry Kraskoviak, and Larry Kraskoviak says he resigned. Would I believe whoever you want to believe? But the point is that Utah was unhappy with uh, the direction of the program, 
And uh, I, I, I don't have a huge problem with that. I mean, I know you and I have talked about the, the financial side of this and the timing with the pandemic and all that. But uh, I don't think the pandemic really had that much of an effect on Utah basketball. This, it, it stayed the course that it had been on for a couple of prior seasons. And uh, I, I don't have a big problem with it because Larry will be taken care of very nicely uh, with uh, a whole lot, millions of dollars for him to sit on a beach. And uh, so I, I think at some point he was even realizing that this isn't going the way it needs to. Um, I, I mean, I'm on the record about this. I don't, I don't, li- I don't like paying somebody $7.5 million to sit on a beach during a pandemic. I mean, I, I don't think that that's a, I don't think that's a good look. I don't care about the, the oh, well, a booster paid it. I mean, well, was that booster uh Donate, uh, you know, donate that money to cover the shortfall for the athletic program so they can, you know, rehire some of the people that were laid off up there. Uh, I, I don't like it. I mean, I don't disagree with your, your analysis of the on-the-floor on product. I, I don't disagree with the word you said. I just don't think it, I just don't think the timing is good. Uh, and but, but, part but of that, as we talked about, as we talked about the last time you and I had a discussion about this, there's a, there's a price to pay by keeping him, too, especially if the fan base is not energized, is not uh, interested in the product, then you're losing money at that uh, out, out, out that window. And okay, so, but it's about cash now. I mean, that's what they've been telling us for months. But that's beside the point. I, I think it's beside the point. I just feel like, you know, back when there was uncertainty around if college sports were going to happen, I wanted college sports to happen for the opportunity for the athletes because it's about more than the win and loss. And I, I feel like it would be hypocritical of me to come uh, here today and say, well, actually, it was about the wins and losses, and, uh, you know, that doesn't matter anymore. So, I mean, that's that's where my opinion's at. I don't think it's a good look. Um, I I believed them when they talked about their, their financial struggles. Um, so... I don't know. If I were Larry Kraskovac, you know what I'd be thinking today? Wow, I should, I would have been better off just saying uh, refusing to play. Oh, what do you mean refusing to play? I mean, during the time, Gordon, you remember when people were standing up and everybody said there was a big thing that uh, players can elect to play or not to play. Well, what if a coach said, hey, my team's not playing. I don't feel like it's safe. He would have been better off he, doing. He, he, he didn't have that kind of power. He would have been better off doing that. What do you mean? Well, he, 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 but, but he, he might have said that, but they were going to play. If the university wanted them to play, they'd play. And but, if he refused to put his team on the floor, they just would have replaced him then. But he, you know, sacrificed his salary as he did the furlough thing. I mean, this you talk to those guys up there or any athletic program of of the hoops that they had to jump through just to compete. I mean, it. It was, I'm sure, a nightmare. Jake, but season. it was no different. The end result was no different than what had been going on in the two previous seasons. I so know. I, I'm, but, say, but, I'm but, telling but, you that it has okay. nothing to do with what's on the well, board. Well, 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 it always does. I mean, to, to say otherwise, you accuse me of being in the hundred acre wood. You're in the hundred acre wood right now because it always matters the success of the program. Always, that's never going to be discarded. It's hugely important. There are all kinds of coaches all across America, former coaches, who are doing all kinds of good things with the individual players who had their best interest at heart and who are, who are good people and charitable people. And I think Larry Kraskowiak fits into that category, but they didn't win enough. 
I mean, that, 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 that's the rule of thumb across America in college sports. I know, I can't but I, think, Can you think of a single example of somebody who is mediocre and is mediocre year after year after year who keeps his job? Gordon, I, I'm, I'm not saying this specifically about Utah. I don't think any of these universities have any business paying these zillion-dollar buyouts for their coaches. Just hold the phone. Just put it on hold for a year. But it costs you. It costs you if you do that, too. Yeah. You know, well, we had this conversation, and it cost the program one way or the other. If there's no interest, if fans don't want to buy tickets mm-hmm. or come to the games, then, you know, then that's going to cost you money. And, and they in don't some have ways, the cash more, now. That's the some, point. We can go back and forth on that, and we're not going to agree. Well, yeah, I mean, what, you pay me now or pay me later. But I it mean, matters gonna, now because the shortfall why? is now because the coronavirus well, is now. Uh, I understand that, Jake. But you, you, if you're going to have to pay next year, it's the same thing. You're still losing money. But it's not the same thing because it's you're, not but now. But you are losing money because it's not, not, now. You, not, uh, not only are you losing money, but your but your fan base is totally deflated too. Okay. All right, man. I heard you again. I heard you. I don't agree. I, I, I think that matters. I think the time of it matters. You're telling me it doesn't matter. I, I don't agree with that point. So, I mean, Utah's moving on because they didn't win enough. I, I feel like, you know, in the midst of this situation, the things are a little bit different. But they're not. You're right. I am in the 100-acre the wood. They're not. That doesn't mean that I think that they, they shouldn't be. I, I, this is confusing to me. I understand that uh, this last year has been difficult and that Utah athletics, like a whole lot of other athletic programs, is, uh, is suffering a financial deficit. But, uh, I, I mean, you're still, you're still going to lose money one way or the other. And if you do it sooner, then, okay, it's happening to you right now. I get what you're saying, but, but you're going to lose money no matter what. So you might as well correct what's wrong. Yeah, you mentioned that they're, they're going to lose. Well, money I mean, no you mentioned what, what Again, you I said too. Yes, I know. I don't agree with that point. I don't. Well, okay. And you can well, bring then, it up again, but I'm not going to agree with it again. I don't agree right. with that point. Well, we'll agree to disagree, I guess. Uh, you know, but uh, it, the fact is that he's gone, and uh, you know, Utah is in the situation it's in. Some people think that athletic directors want their guys in place, and Mark Harlan wants his guy in place uh, for the basketball program. Obviously, Kyle Whittingham is already there, but he's he's uh, seen enough success to uh, to, to, to have Mark uh, let that be. But uh, that's an interesting dynamic to me, that athletic directors want their guys in place. If that If that is, in fact, the case, then if I'm a coach somewhere and, and I get a new AD, uh, a new boss, uh, I'm going to be a little nervous about that. If that's, in fact, uh, what everyone says is true. I don't know if it always is, but it is a lot, apparently. So was he fired or did he resign? I think he was fired. I, I think he was going to. they were going to show him the door one way or the other. Um, it, it really doesn't matter because even if he resigned, they negotiated a buyout because, you know, he's not going to walk away from the money he's owed. So it's, it really is just a matter of uh, what word you want to use. Which I think tells you the relationship temperature between oh, he and yeah. the, the powers that be. No, that's a great point. 
to really yeah. dig in your heels because because most uh, you know we see this all the time, right? When coaches, uh, you know, I'm resigning to let them save face. So exactly. yeah, that's a great point, Austin. It's really interesting. It's like uh, Larry's like, hey, I I resigned, you know. Well, I resigned. And Mar- and uh, Utah Athletics is like, no, no, you didn't. You were fired. This pink slip here says you, how you often, didn't choose. I wonder how often that happens where is someone someone gets fired and they say, no, you can't fire me because I quit. Um, if you quit, though, do you get the same buyout? Well, that's the thing is, is – Technically, no, but you negotiate the buyout, right? And that I was told that there there might have been some of that going on, but that somehow it went south, and so whatever. Uh, Larry's gonna has lots of money and uh, nowhere to coach right now, but maybe there will be something on down the line for him. Gordon, I want to uh, see if you have any names off the top of your head about uh, maybe who the uh, the youth should look at for their next uh, basketball coach. But real quick, uh, your guy uh, Josh Newman of the Trib did report this last night. He said, doesn't sound like Utah is going to use a search firm to identify its next basketball coach. Thank goodness. I, I have no idea why those search firms are even necessary. I'm glad Harlan's going to going to go ahead and do the uh, the grunt work himself i think that's good. yeah that's i agree with thing. you on that although it makes me wonder whether uh whether he's got names in mind already i'm sure already he does with, well don't athletic with, directors always or aren't they supposed to i guess maybe that's uh, a better I, way to put it yeah i imagine so the question is do they talk with those people <laughs> in advance right and uh, that i don't know so uh i don't know who's on his list but think of uh Think of former Ute uh, uh, players or coaches who would fit the mold. What name comes to mind, Jake? Who would fit the mold? See, that's it. Hmm. I mean, that's an interesting way to phrase it. Who would fit the mold? <sighs> I, and, I don't, you know, obviously one of the names that comes to mind is Alex Jensen because he's uh, he's obviously an accomplished Utah alum who's a great basketball coach. Um I don't if, know how realistic I, that is, though. Yeah. I mean, think about that for a second. Would you really want to leave the NBA to to run a, a, a college program? I. It's no. funny. We talked with Chris Mannix about this the other day, remember? And yeah. uh, I, I, I think uh, Alex feels pretty comfortable where he is. Uh, I, would, I would prefer the NBA game. And then you don't have to recruit. You can work with the players that you have, and you have great feedback. Alex Jensen is highly thought of well, uh, just by Quinn to, Snyder and others. Just to add to that real quick, Gordon, I, I think you're on the money from comparing NBA to college, but also where Alex is in the NBA. He's he's close to a head job in the league. You know, He's the lead assistant on what has uh, you know, the best – the team that has the best record in the NBA right now. But, I mean, you know, he's interviewed for jobs before. I would – I wouldn't think there's a pretty – there's an NBA head job in his future. And you know what? I'd say the same thing about another person that uh, that the Utes are ta- – or that have been talked about for this Utes job, and that's Johnny Bryant. If I'm oh, him, yeah. I'm thinking I'm not too far away from an NBA head gig either because he's the lead assistant in New York with Tom Thibodeau, who's who's uh, grooming him, I'm sure, but has coached under Quinn Snyder. And now, you know, he's going to get some attention as the Knicks uh, turn around. So I – those two guys are both not only in good positions now, but 
I mean, if I'm them, I don't waste my coaching capital risking it at Utah. I I hold off until I get a pro opportunity. Well, considering uh, how much money uh, Larry Kraskoviak was making, uh, would that sway you at all? Because I don't know what Alex uh, Jensen or Johnny Bryan are making right now, but it's probably somewhere south of what Larry Kraskoviak's getting. Yeah, and I know, I, and I know you say it's a matter of time, but you know, do you ever really know for sure? I I don't know. You don't. No, you don't. It certainly would be a risk. I mean, it 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 would be something that uh, both those uh, guys would have to sit down with their families to talk about. And yes, the money would make a difference, of course. You know, two million bucks is is a ton of dough. And you're right. I'm sure it's more than they're making now. But I mean, Gordon, you've you've seen it uh, throughout your career. I'm sure when hot young coaching prospects take the wrong job and then they're never heard from again. Yes, that is true. It happens a lot, right? Where you, you take, you know, nobody can win, uh, you know, coaching football at New Mexico state. That's the rep. Well, it's the rep for a reason. And how many coaches have gone there saying, Hey, I can do this. And it just fails miserably. Not that Utah is a, is a bad landing spot by any means or a bad job. But you know, if you're that close to an NBA head coaching job, if it does go south at Utah, you may never be that close again. Yeah. Um, plus, you don't have to recruit players. You don't have to get into the game that you often talk about of lining up your bag men and, uh, you know, play that uh, that whole thing. And we don't know how many coaches are uh, utilizing certain methodology in their recruiting. But uh, we sort of are suspicious about that, are we not? Yeah, and hey, you and, don't have to go down that road. I mean, recruiting yeah. in general, we we can talk about making uh, moral compromises, but <laughs> recruiting just, in general, you know. It's just it's just interesting to me that I think the NBA is a cleaner game than college basketball is. But and real quick, so, I mean, I, there are other names out there that that I think would be really really good. And I uh I talked to well, somebody that uh is uh is close to Randy Bennett at St. Mary's that t- uh-huh. that said uh, that he might be interested in a little change of ser- scenery and stepping up to the P5. So, you know, I just heard that. So I thought I'd throw that out there because when I heard it, I thought, wow, that's that's an interesting name, right? Somebody that's, yeah. that's built a really successful program and uh, has really sustained it over the long haul and did it somewhere that isn't necessarily – you know, a, a blue blood, easy to win at program, which I, I, I think is intriguing. And uh, I saw uh, thrown out there, you know, Chris Burgess, who's uh, an assistant at BYU, but of course played for Utah and has been a Mark Pope disciple. What about Craig Smith or Randy Ray? You know, those those names uh, out there, too. I mean, I'm sure that would make Aggie fans grumpy if uh, if Utah poached Craig Smith. But if you can pay that kind of dough. You know, I'm sure it's enticing to a lot of coaches out there. But I, I think they need somebody younger, Gordon, young and energetic. And experienced? I mean, you don't want to go after, say, Andre Miller, do you? No, 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 no. I, there's got to be some experience there. Okay. But, I mean, like, uh, like Utah State did with Craig Smith, where they went out and found uh, a little new blood and a guy who's a little bit younger and has that real juice and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a terrific hire right. by Utah State. You know, I noticed that uh, some folks were trolling. Utah fans were trolling. BYU fans saying Mark Pope. Uh, well, hey, I Pope's done a great job there. I, <laughs> he I'd, sure gauge has. His, I'd gauge his interest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Really? That would be. Oh man, 
That'd be something else, wouldn't it? Yeah. But uh, I, if I'm Mark Harlan, I would I would be excited about this opportunity because it's a, it's the most important thing. I don't know if it's the most important thing, but it's one of the most important things an athletic director can do: hire head coaches. And uh, I, I'm I'm sure that there are names on his list that he's impressed with that he is very eager to put in place. So uh, we'll see which way it goes. But uh, it's funny that the, the Utah alums are almost too good. The, really, it might be too good to take a job like that. That tells you that you've uh, you've pumped out some pretty talented folks through the years. And uh, certainly Alex Jensen and Johnny Bryant. Uh, I don't know about you, Jake. I think you we both hold both of them in high regard as far as what their capabilities are, and but their opportunity might be too great yeah. to, to fiddle-faddle around with their alma mater. Yep. At least for now, because I think they're both going to be, you know, pretty good commodities in the coaching market in coming years if, if uh, you know, present pattern continues. All right, more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.